in page 53 of your songbook. <coughs> Though there be battles, though there be
This morning what I'd like to talk about, what I felt like the Lord put on my heart and has been ministering to me are the aspects of the cross that you and I really need to get a hold of and, and, and uh, get seated down into our hearts with. Amen. Um, and so, it, you know, it says over in 1 Corinthians that to us who believe and to us who are saved, the cross is the power of God. It's the power of God unto salvation. But there are different aspects of the cross. And, uh, and with the Lord's help this morning, I'd like to cover a few of those. Let's, let's start out with the aspect of the cross of the ministry of Jesus to you and I. And what that means to us. Uh, and the provision and benefits that have been afforded to us because of His ministry that He's performed for us. And not just performed, but is still performing yeah. even right now. I'd like for you to go with me over to Hebrews chapter 9 for a second. Uh, in verse 12. So, he's talking about that what Jesus actually did for us was neither by the blood of bulls and goats or of calves, uh, but by His own blood... He entered in once. Unlike the priests that were before Him that had to enter in year after year, this high priest has performed it once into the holy place, having obtained something for us. And I wonder if we really uh, get a hold of that. Uh, and I think the Spirit of God wants to remind us of the fact that what He's obtained for us is eternal redemption. What, what that means to me is that this is a redemption that doesn't run out. This isn't just... We used to say it like this, and, and Lord help us for such short-sightedness. We, we would say, well, the, you know, the forgiveness of God and the mercy of God and the provision of God are for sins that were past. But can I tell you that the redemption that He has obtained for you and for me is an eternal redemption. It covers your past. Yes, it does. It covers your present. But can I tell you that it's sufficient for whatever you may face tomorrow? Amen. If there happens to be a failure in your life, can I tell you this? And this, this may go against your grain. I don't know. But it doesn't matter. Uh, that God uses failure many times in the recipe of dependency that He would allow... You know, there's nothing about you that God is surprised about. Yep, exactly. Just in case you were wondering. <laughs> and he, and what He has done is He's secured a redemption that is eternal for you and I. Uh, and that we might have assurance as we approach Him. Uh, and I, some of you weren't here the other morning for Brother Aaron's opening, but... Uh, no matter what season, whether it's a night season or a day season, God is the same. He doesn't change. And the redemption that He's obtained for us is an eternal redemption. I mean, there's so many things, uh, like over in uh, Psalms 103, I just want to read a few things. Verse 10, just to remind you of what the cross, His ministry in the atonement, has secured for you today. 
He hath not dealt with us after our sins. Can anybody say amen to that? Yeah. Can I tell you that I would not be standing here this morning? And some of you look at us up here. You look at ministry. Oh, these guys, they travel. They, they go all over. You know, we're just like you. And I can tell you that I'm standing here because He has not dealt with me after my sins. Nor has He dealt with you after your sins. And the reason that God can do that, He can do it from a legal standpoint. Because of the atonement of Jesus Christ, the cross has obtained something eternal. Eternal redemption for you and for me. Now, I'm not talking about a license to go out and do what you want. You can try that. Jonah did. We heard about it last night. Yeah, so, so is all of us, really. Yeah. The, the, the great battle between the, uh, of, the, of the doctrinal debate concerning the free will of man and the sovereignty of God come together, crashing together in the story of Jonah. Yeah, you can do what you want to. God says, this is what I want for your life. And you say, no, I don't think so. God says, okay. Here's a ticket. Take a ship to Tarshish. But let me tell you, I'm the master of the storm. I got a fish for you. No wonder, he says, if you make your bed in hell, I'm there. Because Jonah found God after being three days in the belly of hell. And it says, and as the Lord had said to Jonah, what do you think about Nineveh? I'm all in. You know, we think that this thing of God working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure is something that He's just going to wave a magic wand over you and say, presto changeo, now you want to. But I haven't found that to be so in my life. He takes me into circumstances and He shows me that this is not what you really want. Have a taste. How do you like it? I don't. Well, I've got something better in mind for you. And sometimes we can learn from the mistakes of others. And I'm not one of those kind of guys. I, I, I just want to be free to make my own mistakes. Thank you very much. And, and I just have an idea that some of you in here are like that. You know what God says? I got time on my side. And as it's already been quoted in this convention, he will wait. He will wait that he might show himself gracious to you. So he's not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. But listen to this. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. This is your God. And, and please, my heart this morning with the help of the Holy Spirit is to convey the intentions of His heart to you this morning. So that you might know Him. So that you might with faith and confidence take advantage of the access that's been afforded to you by such a great price. By, by, by the God of such a great heart. That we would be able, you know, receiving the grace of God. I used to look at it differently that you can receive the grace of God and be lost forever. But you know what really receiving the grace of God in vain is? It's not taking advantage of the access that's been purchased for you. It's living, and God help us this morning. It's living beneath the privilege that's been afforded to you. 
that's been imputed. Imputed means to deposit in your account. Like a father, like as a father pitieth his children. This is your God. So the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He, he's not surprised about me. He's not surprised. He knoweth our frame. And he remembers that we're dust. There's nothing about you that can surprise God. Oh man, there's so much in this. Listen to this, verse 17 of 103. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting. How far does it go? To everlasting. There's enough. It says over there, as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? I don't know, it just keeps going. So far has he removed your transgressions from you. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. It's covered. If you want to come this morning. I don't care if this morning uh, you did something stupid. You had an argument with your wife. You threw something at one of your kids. Or even whatever. If you turn. If you turn. Your face to Him. His, his provision is sufficient. It's more than sufficient. To cover whatever your need is. And his righteousness. Whose righteousness? Look, we need to get that straight. Because somehow along the line, maybe we might have thought it was ours. But God is at work to convince you and I that we don't have any of that on our, on our own. And so what he says is, don't worry about that. I'm not looking for anything from you. Just to come as you are. To give yourself to me as you are. And I will be unto you wisdom, sanctification, righteousness, redemption. He has made His Son to be all these things to you and I. It says, if we could read on down here, it says, He has crowned us. I, I, was, I was thinking about, you know, I read over these scriptures sometimes and sometimes they just grab me and slap me. He's crowned you with loving kindness. Loving kindness. We've all been crowned this morning because of what Jesus did. You're His. And you wear a crown. And that crown is called loving kindness. It rests upon you. And if we had the eyes to see and look around this room this morning, we'd see sitting on the head of every blood-bought, born-again child of God in this room foreknown, predestinated, a crown, a crown of loving kindness. To such as keep his covenant. Now, there's a covenant involved in this whole thing. And we're going to talk more about that, but one of the things that Aaron said this morning is this thing about having obtained everlasting redemption for us, eternal redemption. Uh, he read over in Psalms, in the opening the other morning, Psalms 130, in verse 7, he says, Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is plenteous redemption. Man, that's good news this morning. 
And that's an aspect of the cross. That's an aspect of his ministry that he has performed for you and I. Plenteous. What do you need this morning? Can I, can I just encourage you, you know, without the big fanfare in the show, can I just encourage you that even sitting in your seat, whatever your need is, turn your heart to Him. There's plenteous redemption for you. Your Father, as, as a Father pitieth His children, so the Lord pities His. This is your God. You know, the, the work of Satan, you know, which uh, the enemy, and, and it says concerning the serpent, there was given to him a mouth. He speaketh great things. He blasphemeth God and his tabernacle. And what he's always doing, this mouth is always talking to us and trying to malign the intent and the heart and the purpose of God toward you. But the Holy Spirit is, wants to lay out, and, and the reason that we come together is so that uh, His heart can be brought out front and you can see that He's for you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Yeah, go ahead and make your bed in hell. You'll get tired of it. And I'll be there. I'll be there like the father of the prodigal. When you get tired of it, and you find out it will, it will always lead to famine. It will always, it will never, there's something in your soul that cannot be satisfied by anything the flesh, the world, religion, any of that has to offer. <coughs> and when the famine hits the land, and you come to yourself, there's a father waiting. And you know he's standing there waiting with a robe and a ring and a kiss. This is your God. This is your Father. Man, I don't want to receive the grace of God in vain. I want to get with Him. I want to, I want to get so close to Him I smell like Him. There are people that carry it, the essence of His presence. And I want that. It's available. Will you take advantage of it? Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Come close. Come close. Oh, yeah. Psalms 139. I mean, we, we, I'm not going to tell you anything you haven't heard. I just want to remind you. You know, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Okay? Can you just, when you come to God, can you, can you understand and know that He knows every intricate part of you? And, and, and not just the way you are now, but how, when did He know that? Yeah. You, you've known my down-sitting. You, you know when I've been down. You know my uprising. You understand my thoughts afar off. You compass my path. You see, God doesn't live in time. So the entire path of your life has already been seen and known by Him. He knows 
everything about you from the time you took your first breath to the time you take your last. When he called you and chose you, he knew every failure, he knew every wrong choice, everything that you would do, and he provided a provision. He's compassed your entire path. You're acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. You beset me behind and before. My past, my future, my future, and you've laid your hand upon me. Oh, yeah. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's a mind blower. Mm -hmm. I cannot attain to it. And he goes on to talk about whither shall I go from my spirit. But I think down in verse... 16, I want to go, the, if you let me read this in the end. I've said this before, but I, I love it so much. I'm, uh, I'm going to take the liberty to say it again. And, and, and Gabe was reading this last night as well. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book, all the days of my life were written before they ever took shape, yeah. when as yet there was none of them. Tomorrow, your tomorrow, is already written down. It's already known by God. He's already in your tomorrow. He's there waiting for you to step into it. And find the new mercies waiting for you when you wake up. I hope this isn't boring to you. For me, it's exciting. It's, it's just like, what? Let's go down to, uh, well, let's see here. Go back. Hebrews 9, there might be something more I want to say out of that. Yeah, so let's keep reading there. We were in 12. Let's just skip down to verse 16. But where a testament is, which is the same word for covenant, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is only a force. It's only empowered. It's only funded after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. This covenant, which is it's kind of a paradox to me because it's, John was talking about the, the, the two worlds and the seen and the unseen. But what about the differences of the realms of time and eternity? Because in some places, this is called the New Covenant. And the other is called the Old Covenant. But really, is it a New Covenant? Because it's, he says in Hebrews 13 that it's an everlasting covenant, which actually means it's a covenant that always was and always will be. 
And a covenant or a testament can only be ratified by blood. And so this covenant was actually in force before God put one star in place because of a lamb slain. In order for a testament or a covenant to be a force, there needs to have been the death of a testator. And from the foundation of the world, the testator has been slain. And so men like Noah, men like uh, Enoch, Abraham, could enter into the benefits of an everlasting covenant because it was ratified, it was funded, it was empowered before the old ever... And, and what was the old? Doesn't Galatians say that it was added? It was an addition. Just for a season... For a couple of things. First of all, to be a schoolmaster. Well, what is what? What do you go to school for? Hopefully, you learn something, right? I got to tell you, I probably didn't learn a lot in school, in the natural. But I want you don't graduate out of this school until you learn. And what this schoolmaster has come to teach you is that you have a need that performance cannot fix. That there's no performance that can make you acceptable to God. And that He would give a covenant of the law to frustrate. Is it, is it in God's heart to frustrate you? No, that's not really what He wants. But He wants to bring you to the end of an ongoing uh, effort to try to establish your own righteousness. It says that Israel, being ignorant of the righteousness of God, did not submit themselves to God's righteousness but went about to establish their own. And I, listen, we can't be too hard on them. Because I think it was Sam that was reading last night. I think it was, I think it was Sam that was in Isaiah chapter 6. You go preach to them. What do you think about God when He says, alright, go tell Israel. You know what I've done? I've made their heart fat. I've closed their ears and I've closed their eyes. Until, until the tenth comes in. Until the, until the tithe comes into the house. They're, they're, so, so, and, and of course, yeah, well, because of unbelief, they were cut off. But I'm going to tell you something. If God closes your ears, faith only comes one way. It comes by hearing. And we'll, So, is, is this thing wired or not? What about Pharaoh? What do you think about Pharaoh? God told Moses, look, Moses, I know you're... you're you used to could talk. You were, it says that he was schooled in all the schools of Egypt and he was an excellent orator. He was a good talker. But after 40 years on the backside of the desert with the seven daughters of Midian, which means contention, seven contentious daughters, he came out of there with not long talk. Every time he tried to open his mouth, I've got to be careful here. I'm getting a lot of... You ladies are not Midianites. So. No, well, I'm getting a little rumbling. There's rumbling in the room. Okay, moving on. God told him, he said, look, I'm going to make you God to Pharaoh. Aaron's going to be your prophet. I want you to go tell him to let my people go that they might serve me. But I'm going to harden his heart. And every time that Pharaoh was ready to let him go, God said, "Not nah, mm. a little hardening of the heart. 
Can I tell you that God is able to harden hearts for His purpose? But it doesn't mean that they're hardened indefinitely. But on the other side, He's also able to soften hearts. Job said, He maketh my heart soft. Doesn't it say that the, the king's heart Hello, kings. That it's in the Lord's hands. That means you today, friend. In your heart. The God who hardens hearts. The God who softens hearts. Yours is, is, is in His hand. And like rivers of water. He can turn it wherever He will. Oh God, turn our hearts. Oh God, soften our hearts. Change my heart. Work in my heart. Isn't that one of the aspects of the everlasting covenant? Yeah. It has to do with the heart. A new heart will I give you. What kind of a heart? What was David after? What kind of a heart was David after? A man after my own heart. The heart of the new, the, the promised heart of the new covenant is a heart just like your father's. Everything that He is has been deposited to your account and mine and is accessed by faith. But it seems like we don't really enjoy it until we're convinced, until the schoolmaster has had his full sway with us and we have learned that there's nothing in me that qualifies me except for my need, except for my lack. That when you're convinced that you don't bring anything to the table that can help God. And isn't that the truth? Isn't that what happened with the father of the faith who, boy, that's a stretch. Mike McCord ministered a great word at Lubbock and he went through the heroes of faith and compared what God said about them in Hebrews 11 to the stories of their life in the Old Testament. And here you have Abraham at the first sign of trouble going down off of the land into Egypt, throwing his wife under the bus to save his own skin. Doesn't sound like faith to me. And he does that more than once. Or David, as it's already been uh, referred to, a man after God's own heart, murder and adultery. Why could God do that? Because God had obtained everlasting, eternal redemption. And he realized that the only thing that would qualify David, the only thing that would qualify Abraham, was what had the imputed righteousness that had been deposited. And I love what John said the other day. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. And he has every legal right to do that because of the ministry of Jesus Christ and the atonement. And so this, this testament, this covenant, is in force. You know, so many times I think we ask God for things and He's already done it. It's like, well, what do you want me to do? I mean, I've already... You want me to come and do, do this all again? I've already done it. 
Hebrews chapter 10. What, what the power of this offering is, is so that he offered. And again, this is, this is one aspect of the cross. We're going to hit a couple of more before I sit down. In verse 11, it says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, this man, after he had offered how many sacrifices? One. Just one. One sacrifice for sins forever. Sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And it's God that he's our sanctification. It says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. He is our sanctification. There's enough power and potential in that one offering to completely perfect you. And if you're depending upon, if you're trying to get there some other way, then you could end up being a thief in the robber going about to establish your own righteousness, being ignorant of the, of the ministry that's been performed for you and not submitting yourself to the imputed righteousness that's been deposited. And that righteousness, friends, is the very righteousness of God Himself. Yeah. It's not some other righteousness. That's the only righteousness He recognizes. Wow. I love that. And so maybe you're sitting out there and, and you're thinking, well, man, I got problems. Yeah. Well, welcome to the club. Yeah. I got problems too. <coughs> you know what? I've got great hope. Yes. I really do. This morning. And I, you know, you come to conventions like this and you think, well, ministry comes all primed up with the word and everything, but... Sometimes we just come in need to. God, I, I, I don't want to just come and have another word. I, I, I want to meet with you. This, this thing is about a relationship. It's not about you sitting here listening to preaching forevermore. It's about a relationship with God. I'm like, God, I want to meet with you. You know what? He's been faithful. No wonder when he said to Abraham over there, Bill, in Genesis 15, it's the same word to the seed of Abraham. I'm your seed. I'm I'm your shield. And I'm your exceeding great reward. What more do you want? To the priests. He He said concerning the priesthood, he said, you will give them no inheritance in the land. I... I am their inheritance. Everything that God is, every aspect, 
every attribute, everything that God is, is yours today. This is your inheritance. And you've been given the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, as an earnest, a down payment of that inheritance. But every aspect of His character and nature, His loving kindness, His goodness, His righteousness, everything that makes God God is the inheritance of His sons and daughters this morning. He is your inheritance priesthood. A royal priesthood. So you got problems? Welcome to the club. Hebrews chapter 7. Again, I love this because you see, even though he's seated at the right hand of the Father, he's seated there as a man. But this man, verse 24, because he continueth ever, has an unchangeable priesthood. And he is, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost. Somebody used to say from the guttermost to the uttermost. Well, maybe that's true. It is true. But I don't like using cute sayings, but... Whatever your problem is, I don't care what it is. I talked to someone the other day that had a terrible problem. Terrible. Would be cast out from society because of this kind of a problem. But it falls within the parameters of uttermost. How about your problem this morning? Does it fall within the parenthetical of uttermost. He's able because he, li he ever liveth to make intercession. Even right now, young person, you're thinking, well, I, you know, I want to look cool. You know, we all want to look cool. You know, after a certain stage, you're kind of like, eh. Kind of overrated. Cool is a bit overrated. Thinking about the guys and the girls, you're thinking about, you know, I want to be cute, you look, the girls and everything. It's like, that's okay. But I want to tell you something. You got someone who's praying for you. And his whole purpose, he ever liveth to make intercession for you. To Call your name before the throne, before His Father. He's there for you this morning. He said, can a mother forget her suffering child? He said, they may forget. I'll never forget you. You're graven upon the palms of my hands. I know right where you're at. I know right what your battle is. I know right what your struggle is, even though it seems that I don't. Sometimes God is closer to you when you can't feel Him. Yeah. And sometimes we have to go through that wilderness of not feeling. Because feeling and faith are... It's the trial of your faith. Mm -hmm. Feelings come and they go, and I'm, yeah. I like them. I like the felt presence of God. I like to feel His nearness. 
I'd be a liar if I told you I didn't. But sometimes God says that the trial of your faith is more precious than gold that perishes. Hallelujah. Man, there's just so much good stuff here and I don't want to take too long. But you know there's you're getting it, right? I mean, I don't want to belabor the fact that what he has done for you is sufficient. But here's, here's the wonderful aspect of the purpose of God. That from the beginning, that God's entire purpose was not just about one son. But it was about many sons. It was about people that, that were given to the Lamb. Before the foundation of the world... That names were actually written in the book of his life. That your destiny was to be, it's, it's, it's not some book that has pages that unfold, but it's in the very, very warp and woof of his life. That there are names that are written that are to come forth in that same kind of life. And that these were given to him. That they were foreknown, predestined. And if you, if you were to take the time to read John chapter 17, you'll find... At least nine times that Jesus says, I'm not praying for the world, I'm praying for those you have given me. And he says it about nine times, those you have given me, those you have given me. And there's a sense in my heart this morning that I've been given to Jesus by the Father. That there's a purpose and a destiny. It's as he says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our own works. Somebody say that please. Not according to our own But according to His purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And so this mystery, the fellowship of the mystery is that there's a people. Somebody said you need to stop pacing. I can't help it. I I heard him thinking it out. <laughs> There's a mystery that's been hidden that, that God's purpose includes you. And so that you were actually chosen. Doesn't it say that somewhere? It should. I think it's Ephesians 1.4. That you were chosen in Christ, in Him, before the foundation of the world. That you were you were put in Him. You were in Christ before you got in Adam. At least in the mind and heart of God. So, you crucified whatever He went through, you were in Him. Just like it says with that uh, Aaron was in Levi. And Levi was in Abraham's loins when he paid tithes to Melchizedek. He was in him. You were in Christ. And so it says that Levi actually paid tithes to Melchizedek. And the less is blessed of the better. So when he was crucified, guess what? When the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, you were in him. And you were born into this world, friends. 
with the shadow of a cross over your life. When he, when he was buried, you were buried. You were in him. When he was risen, we could go to all the scriptures. You know the scriptures. When he was risen, guess who else was risen? Crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, risen with Christ, seated with Christ. You can't get away from the entwining and the entanglement that God Himself has done with your lives and this one called the Lamb. And that's why He invites you and I. Listen, if you're weary and you're laboring to perform and to try to please God, I invite you to come. I invite you to come. And I've been wearing a yoke. And I invite you to take that yoke upon you. And I can tell you that that yoke smells like a lamb. Get with Him in the yoke. And learn of me. And you'll find rest for your soul. You'll, you'll find a rest from the trying to perform. Yeah. From the trying to make this thing happen. It's only in the yoke that you find rest. It's only in, in the yoke that you learn. And so, the next aspect of the cross is not only what He has done for us, but the fact that you and I, doesn't it say that? Mm -hmm. it, for I am crucified, what? With Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet. And what's the big problem that we have? I. It's been my problem. You can name off all your different proclivities towards certain sins, but the real problem there is I. So it's not just something that He did for you. It's something that you get to participate in. Something that if you don't participate in, becomes idolatry and becomes hero worship. In this regard, you remember what happened in, back in Numbers when it says that the children of Israel spoke against Moses and against God and, and God sent in fiery serpents. And uh, many people died by the, by the biting of the fiery serpents. And, and Moses got before the Lord and the Lord said, take a, a brazen serpent and put him upon the pole and hold him up. And when the people look upon the brazen serpent, they shall be healed. And then Jesus over in St. John said this. He said that as Moses lifted up the brazen serpent in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So, there you have it. His ministry for you and I on the cross. But if you stop there, you know what happened? You know what they did? If you go over into Chronicles, you can read about it, that they took that brazen serpent and they made an idol out of it. And they called it Neheshtun. And there is much of the church today that has made an idol out of, the, of what Jesus Christ, who was lifted up as the brazen serpent, has done for you and I, and have not taken that to be a participant in it themselves. <coughs> and have crossed the line into idolatry. Because, friends, you're, you are not just a benefactor, although we are. But you are also given to Him. I and the children 
which the Father hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel as a priesthood. What does a priesthood do? Well, first of all, they need to be in touch with the infirmities of others. And the way God makes sure that that happens is that they themselves are encompassed about with infirmity. They need to be able to have compassion upon them that are out of the way. And how do they do that? Because they themselves have been out of the way. God is preparing a priesthood, co-crucifixion, to stand before creation. <coughs> to represent God and to represent the creation. A corporate priesthood. It says that many people, they say, well, Jesus, and I hear him say this, that Jesus is the high priest and we're the underling priests. No, let me tell you something. Christ is a priest forever. And Christ is not just Jesus. And the head of this high priest went into the Holy of Holies as an anchor. And you and I have an anchor that's in good ground, in holy ground. You know what an anchor does. In times of storm, in times when your boat feels like it's going to be blown apart, you have an anchor that's holding, an anchor of the soul. Boy, have we ever. Man, I can't tell you some of the storms I've been through. Wondered if I would survive. And maybe you're like that too. I'm sure you are. I can look around the room and I have just knowing some of the stories. There's so much. I mean, we could take the time and go into Romans chapter 6, buried uh, with him in baptism, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ. All of these positional statements and somebody downplaying positional truth. Listen, you need to know where God has positioned you. You need to know that. Don't downplay it. It's important that you know your position in Christ. And then, the next aspect of the cross is where God actually takes that which is already finished in eternity and day by day fulfills it upon the stage of time in your walk and in your everyday life. No wonder Jesus would say, deny yourself. Take up your cross, which is not any different than His. It's just a recollection that you're... Uh, crucified already. Take up your cross and follow me. Somebody said one time the problem is not that we haven't received the ministration of Jesus. The problem is there's no personal cross in our lives. Somebody at home on one of the ministries quoted C.S. Lewis as saying, you know, God doesn't want you to think less of yourself. That's not what He wants. He just wants you to think of yourself less. <laughs> and man, if we could ever get delivered from a self-consciousness to a God-consciousness and another's consciousness, what freedom that would be. So what do you think about this personal cross? 
You know, the, the thing of it, the truth of it is, is that not only did God place you in Christ, He placed all of Adam. Just as the entire race was put in Adam as the head of, of, a, of a race, God has taken now and put all creation into. And right now, this entire Adam, no wonder he would be called the last Adam. But you see, not everybody has accepted the sentence that God has placed over the natural man. And you can see the two different responses if you'll take, permit me to go to Luke uh, chapter 23. I've seen both of these responses in my life. And maybe you can relate as well. Verse 32, he says, And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And Jesus goes on and he begins to pray for them in verse 34. Father, forgive them. And he goes on down to verse 39. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If you be the Christ, save yourself and us. Has that ever been your response? God, as, as, as it translates from the aspect of what He did in ministry to you, as He secured everlasting redemption for you and He's done everything that He's done, when it now becomes personal in your life and you're actually living out the dying of the Lord that His life might be made manifest and circumstances go south on you and things become dark and there's pain and there's misunderstanding and there's loss. Has your response been, save us if you are who you say you are. Get me out of this circumstance. But could it be that that very circumstance is a doorway? Because without a death, there can be no resurrection. And if we're going to reign with Him, we're going to suffer with Him. And that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And if you really are this morning making that offering, you can go through the whole uh, Old Testament of offerings that were made. When somebody would, would bring an offering, what would be the response? What would the priest do with it? They would kill it. That's... And it, and it would go on the fire. And that's how you knew your offering was accepted. It's gotten pretty quiet in here. Are you going to give your life to Him? Because it's the end of your life, but it's the doorway. And into it, the cross is a doorway. Actually, it's a key that unlocks a door. It's shaped like a key. and unlocks the door into an immortal personality before you're ever going to have a resurrected body. You will have a resurrected character. And it's the cross on a daily basis that unlocks that for you and I and our, our willingness. Is that, don't let that be your response because you, you have a choice in this thing. 
Verse 40, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Don't you fear God, seeing that we are in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, we deserve it, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said to him, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. What's your response to the cross? Are you expecting this path to be easy? Oh, it's wonderful. And God brings us into times of refreshing where we see what He has done and what He has afforded us. And we should be taking advantage of that relationship. But I want to tell you something. You're going to go through tough times. There's a cross in this thing, and it's real. It's got teeth. And it will not leave one quivering nerve of Adam alive. What's your response to the cross this morning? You're in Him. Oh yes, utilize the provision, but realize you've been called to be partakers with Him. Just a couple of more scriptures and I'll close this thing out. Romans chapter 8. Scripture. I apologize for that, but you know what? It's good stuff anyway. Let's just start in verse 29. For whom he did foreknow or know before, he also did predestinate. Your purpose is to be conformed to the image of his Son in every aspect, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. Can I say it? Can I embellish this and say many that are going to be made conformed that will be just like Him? Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. Whom He called, them He also justified. And this is all in the past tense. I love this. It brings, it brings a, uh, a rest and a peace to my heart. And whom He justified, them He also glorified. Because of that one offering, they're sufficient to get you all the way home. What shall we say to these things? Now we read over these things like, and we, the, the, the impact of what's been given to you is so many times just tripped over. What are we going to say? If God before us, who can be against us? Whatever God calls a thing, that's what it is. It doesn't matter what it looks like. What it appears to be. Doesn't he say that those things that are seen, what do you see in your life? Well, I see this and I see that, and we could go through the list. What do you see in the life of your brother? I see, well, those things that are seen are temporal. They're not going to stick around. But what's not seen is eternal. And there's a hidden man in the heart right now of God's people 
But I can tell you something that won't always be that way. For there's going to be nothing hid that shall not be revealed in its time. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, with him, also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? Can I just tell you this morning that condemnation stops progress? It just does. Because it just kills... Your approach to God, your confidence, you, you have to approach Him with confidence. I was battling with it. I'm like, God, I, you know, really screwed up, really messed up. Feeling unworthy, and you know, all. Has anybody ever felt that? Yeah. You know, when God speaks to me, He doesn't have a whole lot to say. Just a couple words. Just a couple, and I knew it was him. I don't condemn him. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It lifted. Yeah. Here's the problem. You talk to your accuser. Yeah. You know what you need to do to your accuser? Tell him to go talk to your attorney. Mm -hmm. yeah. Talk to my advocate. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking to you. You have an advocate. Who is he? Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who is also making intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, for it is written, for your sake... We are killed. It doesn't mean this is going to be a joy ride all the time. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're going to escape going through any tribulation. As a matter of fact, going through these things is just proving that you can't be separated from the love of God. Yeah. This thing is fully funded. Over and above. Yeah. All you can ask or think. Sufficient, more than sufficient. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded. You know, I used to read that and, as a young believer and quote that and jump up and down and everything. And I realized after I got into the test a little bit that I really wasn't that persuaded. But now... I don't know if I'm fully persuaded, but I can tell you this, I'm more persuaded today because of what I've been through, of things that should have separated me and didn't. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, and you can put whatever it is you're going through in that. shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus the Lord. Where do you find yourself, friends? Do you find yourself being killed all the day long? Being led as a sheep to the slaughter? I've got good news for you. 
That's a temporal arrangement. Hang in there, hold to his hand. It has not the ability to separate you from the love of God. And he calls it this, and it's hard to say that to someone who's going through something really tough. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is actually working on your behalf. Worketh for us a far more, an exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Whatever it is you're going through, God is not just putting you through stuff so you can suffer. Right. That's not the kind of God He is. No, He captain your salvation. The path you're on is a blood-stained path. And the yoke that you're in smells like a sacrificial lamb. No, it's taking you somewhere. My last scripture over in Hebrews chapter 6. I want to go down to verse 11. Man, you guys have been faithful. Many of you have been in this thing for a long time and you the tested trials that you're in, you're staying in there. As a song used to say, the trials may be grievous, there's no shame in anything. Just don't let go of His hand. Mm -hmm. We desire in verse 11 that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope to the end. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience, because sometimes faith has a, a waiting that goes along with it. It's faith and patience, the mixture of those two that causes you to inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, this is your God. He swore by himself, self, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. And I would pray this morning that there would be an end of all strife in our hearts yeah. regarding our acceptance and our approach to God. That this, the questions would be put yeah. in silence. Yeah. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of His counsel confirmed it with an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. He's not leading you on. He's not baiting you. It's impossible. We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and enters into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered. Even Jesus made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek.
That wasn't too boring, was it? No. Just the opposite. It's exciting. Um, it's exciting to know that someone that is several thousand miles away can be hearing the same thing that you are. <clears throat> it's more exciting to uh, be a part of the actuality of God's work in our midst. And for that to be laid out so clearly this morning, um, it gives you uh, confidence and hope uh, in, the, in the work of God in your life. Mm -hmm. And the knowledge that um, <clears throat> what you're going through is not in vain. Mm -hmm. uh, but it has a purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's going to bring forth uh, uh, that which God intended right. from the very beginning. And um, I was actually very excited uh, when Brother Joe was talking. Um, because it's confirming some of the things that I've been thinking about. And you know... Some of us that are young, learning, here um, trying to, um, I, I was excited because I had something to add to what he, he was saying. And then he picks the very last few seconds of his word <laughs> to say exactly the scripture that I was going to close with. So good for you, <laughs> but I don't have a whole lot to say. <laughs> because uh, this, uh, you know, the, the only reason that this is going to happen in your life is because God put himself on the line. You know, all this is great. What the things that Brother Joe said are true, and, and they are a great comfort to us, but the assurance of knowing that this is going to happen because God made a promise. And, you know, we know that promises are made and something is at stake, right? Something greater to make sure that that, that, that is going to happen. God had nothing else greater than himself. And that is why we can be assured today that the work that God is performing in your life, in you, is going to happen mm -hmm. because God said, you know, it's me, the one who is backing this up and is who is the assurance it's is it on the bank behind this whole thing to make sure that it, this is not going to fail in your life and so then uh, you know we can be uh, at, at comfort and also excited and realize that when you are fleeing you know it's talking there in colossians that when you flee we all are fleeing from something uh, you know jonah gets a lot of flack for fleeing uh, the opposite direction but you know we might have done the same thing knowing what we were, we were having to face. We're all fleeing from something. But what God is saying, flee to the refuge and lay a hold of the hope that's set before you. You know, this hope is sure and is steadfast. And it's not going to fail because God is behind it, making sure, you know, he's the one, the fine answer behind it to make sure this thing is not going to fail through. And that you are going to come forth in what he has promised that he's going to do in your life. And that is assurance. And there is great consolation in that. There should be great excitement in your life 
that regardless of where you are today, you know, regardless of the anguish in your heart, you know, whatever is going through, there's a hope that is going to perform that work so that God can do what he is intended from the very beginning. You know, it says that God, from the very beginning, God, he, he made us in his image. <laughs> you know, God has, has this whole thing completely wired to make sure that you and I are going to be brought to the completion and the fullness of conforming us to his image. And, uh, you know, uh, God has many ways of bringing us to him. And the, the power of the cross is what creates that work in us, that change to conform us into what he wants us to be, which is to be like him, to be in his image, to be made in the likeness of him. There is no greater... Um, No greater thing than to know that we have the Almighty God, the most powerful authority in this world, the one who created this. That power is directed to you and I to assure us that His work is going to be completed in us. We can have great consolation in knowing that it is his work, he's at work, and he's going to do it in us. This has been a very good good morning. It's been a good convention. We're thankful that God has been always faithful to uh, speak to us, to meet us where we're at, um, that he knows how to touch every heart. And uh, thank you all for coming. And... Uh, May the Lord uh, continue to speak to us the things that were said here during this convention. Amen.